Thanks, Melanie. Yay. It's so good to see you. It's great so, to see you. So I'm going to give you your, uh, I'm going to give you your embarrassing introduction and then feel free to um, add anything that you want to. But I know last time I interviewed you, last time I interviewed you for a podcast we recorded was in August of 2020. And that was the summer from hell for, I think the whole, it just, I can't imagine circumstances. Well, I shouldn't say that I can't imagine things being any worse, but it was a pretty tough time. Um, but let me introduce you. And, and I'm just bringing that up because I remember feeling extremely underprepared to interview you. And I was just so excited that you said yes. So I was like, I need to do this. And I did it. And thank you for that. Um, but I do feel like I know you a little better now because um, in addition to running your own global change consultancy business, um, you're, off, you're also the chief examiner for the Agile Change Agent Certification, which I took from you this month. Yay! Um, and I have an e-copy of that book and I'm seriously considering ordering the print copy because I feel like when I read the e-copy, there's so much that I want to highlight, but uh, I just want to give a plug for the change agent certification course. I really enjoyed it. It was one of the certifications that I've gone out and put time and money into and felt like I had actionable things I could do with it like the very next day. Yeah. So actionable, practical. Yeah. That's what we want. Practical, like real life things that you don't. And one of the most exciting things I think about agile change just as in general is that it's so accessible. It doesn't matter what industry you're in and you don't need to be a PMP certified change manager to apply it. Um, But, and you've also, authored several books. So I know that Friday you were just like sliding in to meet a deadline to turn in your most recent book. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it too soon to ask you what it's about? No, 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 no. It is the second edition of this. So don't you order that hard copy. I will send you the new second edition. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, And the key thing about the second edition is that um, we are putting in place um, the extra. So I've I've basically had to revise not that much because it's all practical techniques and they still all work. So I've added a few practical techniques into to the Agile Change Agent certification. But I have crucially written sort of the next level up, which is all based on lots and lots of coping strategies for um, the resilience of getting through the the life cycle of change um, from looking at how do we make people aware that there's a change coming in a very crowded marketplace because we're not the only change that they're experiencing. Um, I'm hosting an event with the continuous change community next week, which is on the subject of how do change models change if all of them are predicated on taking people through the transition curve, which absolutely we need to do. But if they are experiencing multiple curves simultaneously, how does that change the way we have to deal with change? So I think awareness and gaining positivity for the change is a different thing when you have more than one change happening. And I'm not convinced that some of the models that we rely on perhaps reflect that that part of the 21st century that we're struggling with. Mm. I mean, a a good example of that, um, I was having a conversation with somebody last night about the fact that we're not the only change that their team are experiencing. 
And I said, no, resistance often is talking about trying to make somebody really buy into the change. And I said, the resistance that we're getting isn't about the purpose of the change and the benefits. That argument, we've actually won. The resistance is coming from, love your ideas, change is great, but I cannot take any more. So the resistance is to do with um, overload. Now, I'm hesitating to use the word change fatigue because um, I was uh, at an event um, a couple of months ago with a really interesting thinker. He's very, very left field. And he started talking about how he really hates the phrase change fatigue because he says we don't get fatigued if we are completely motivated by something ourselves. So if we have high levels of intrinsic motivation, um, it might be something that we love doing, a hobby or something. We don't get fatigued, however many extra bits fly in. So I hesitate about the word fatigue now because I, I can see the logic of his argument. But certainly there is resistance from overload because it's the brain screaming. There's I always remember a neuroscience textbook. I can't remember which one, which talked about you know, the the brain being sort of like a small stage on which you can have a few actors. If you put more actors on the stage, then first of all, they have to sort of edge round each other, which makes them go more slowly. Um, But also, if you put too many actors on the stage, some of them will pitch off into the orchestra pit. Um, And that is exactly, I think, for me, that really works, that analogy. (laughs) That's a great Um, visual. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of like that. So I'm thinking, yeah. So I think there's something in there around the coping strategies for winning over people who are not against what you're trying to change, but just simply are overwhelmed. And then there is the personal resilience how do I keep going when I doubt myself, um, when my very critical inner voice is given free reign um, and is putting me down at every opportunity um, and where I can't see light at the end of the tunnel because I've been in the tunnel for so long, I'm beginning to believe that there isn't any light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think that kind of resilience building is what we need now you could argue that COVID is a perfect time for be writing about that kind of thing but I think for me it was coming anyway Um, I'm routinely trying to do a transformation in an organization which involves at the moment I'm not going to name the company but um, they are replacing their HR system and alongside that comes a move to making sort of all staff and managers take on much more of this sort of human resources role and the smaller group of human resources staff left are going to a more strategic people strategy type responsibilities then they are replacing um, their entire sales strategy with a much more online sales strategy Um, and that includes making their customers do far more for themselves far more self-service model so we've got customer behavior and staff behavior and worries about redundancies And then on top of that, um, we've also got uh, an aggressive um, new product launch um, strategy because they want to be launching out to the market every three months. Hmm. And you start to look at this and you think, and then there's a there's a supply chain. Uh, We need to revisit the supply chain, some some bright spark said. Um, So they've they've kicked off that stream of work. And you think, is there anything that is staying the same? Because I think that's right. so that's where I'm I'm at. And I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking hmm, I, I need to explain the cohesive picture here of how this all fits together. And I need to give people quite a good lead in for their area 
what is it that we need them to concentrate on right now, knowing that there's other stuff backed up behind that, but we can't ask them to think about everything all at the same time. Right. So I think there's some interesting stuff. So I, I, (laughs) well, writing this lot was on top of everything else was hard, but to be fair, everything that's gone in the book is stuff that I've been using. um, And I've got over a thousand people who are saying it's working. So that gives me hope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, there's so much to unpack with you that I'm, and I've, um, I'm glad you asked me some good questions because you did ask me a whole load of questions before this started. So I have written answers. So don't worry. I've got answers. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, one of my questions was, so I mentioned to you, I mentioned to you in an email and you know that um, I'm seeing this for myself, but also for everybody in my network that I talk to. It seems like we're all at this point of sort of re-emerging from the crisis, from the pandemic, from whatever, you know, we want to call it, because it's not just COVID, it's it's not just the pandemic, it's all the waves of change that triggered, that it triggered. I feel like I'm redefining how I'm showing up at work now and in personal situations too. Like, I just feel like I'm a new version of myself, whether, whether I want to be or not, I've been through massive amounts of change in the past six months since we spoke last. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems like everybody I talk to is in the same boat. Like they feel like they're this 2.0 version of themselves. The post, there's the pre-pandemic version of myself and the post-pandemic version of myself. And I wonder what changes um, you've encountered since we spoke last or significant changes, I should say, um, and how the agile model and the agile and I know that agile is more than just a model it's really a way of thinking and the philosophy how have you been able to use that to make your personal changes easier to navigate Mm -hmm. and how can uh, what advice do you have for people that want to integrate the lessons that we've learned over the past six months into moving forward now that we are starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel yeah I think um you're right I think we're on a new path um and I'll come back to that in a while um about what's happening to us now but certainly we are I think we climbed we all climbed a mountain um I think that we are now at the top of the mountain going "Hmm, okay so this was a foothill and there's another mountain over there because I think that um we've made a huge number of adjustments over the last 13 14 months all of us And uh, so we've gone through that transition curve, possibly multiple times as each change has hit us. Uh, So that's very much the agile um, thinking, which is a recognition that every time a change has swooped in, it's it's triggered that transition curve where I've had to I've become consciously incompetent and I've had to dig my way out back to conscious competence and out the other side to unconscious competence. Um, and I've and that's got me to maybe the top of this mountain. But now I've looked over and I'm thinking, hmm, well, from a professional point of view, I would say that hybrid working is my next mountain to climb, because okay. I think that 
for what I think has happened, and I'll give an example for, from one of my changes, but I think that we've all got, first of all, used to working from home. It wasn't working from anywhere. It, we had to be at home. We were in lockdown. I think that therefore we've had entrenched behaviours. They've been hard won. We've all had to reorganise our dining rooms or our kitchens. And some of us have had to sit on the corner of the bed and had to be an awful lot more flexible and uh, maybe um, work in in locations you know in, in part of our house like you know actually I have sat on the floor um, with cushions around me while workmen have been drilling outside and yet still having to keep going and I'm thinking this wouldn't happen to me in my office so I think we've <laughs> we've got those sort of entrenched we've learned we've we've been very flexible and we've learned to come through it but now that is the norm so first of all whatever else you're doing baseline your new norm recognize your new norm because if that's going to change because we're now coming out the other side and we're going to have a new experience which I personally think is going to be more hybrid it's not going to be one thing or the other mm -hmm. um at least understand where you you are and and for me um I, I wrote a blog over the last few weeks about my own adventures as I sort of uh, started to go back into the office only two days a week but um how that has upset the balance of a sort of family life um uh, having to think through packing my bag because I've got an office at home and I've now got an office back in the office right. um and all of these things a, a transition again to to another change so I think that understand where you are right now and maybe do a little audit of right these are all the compromises all the shifts I made uh, which ones do I want to keep and which ones yeah will I happily let go you know and I think yeah that's a really good that's a really good point um assessing where you're at before worrying about what you're moving on to well, otherwise you compromised. You, we, we are going to enter another period of compromise. Surely, if nothing else, the transition curve is always about compromise. Um, what am I prepared to to stop doing? What have I got to start doing? But mm -hmm. if you don't know where you are to begin with, I think um, you you might very well end up reacting to other people's requirements, mm -hmm. not necessarily choosing how you want to live your life and I think that alludes back to something you're saying about we've got a new version of ourselves you know Melanie 2.0 is maybe somebody who is actually setting her own agenda and saying what what's good for her and what's not good for her um, so maybe that is is sort of driving it I mean in my own experience what I have found to be true is that the agile approach has kept me sane you asked about a personal change. There've been hundreds. We've all had that. I'm going to give you one of mine that was imposed upon me, um, not sought in that coming to look after my dad, um, leaving my home in London um, means that one of the things that happened is that I have you know, become a tax resident of another country. I stayed so long that the tax authorities say you're now resident here. You have to pay your tax bills here. Now, that means I have to do tons and tons of paperwork and I have to pay my tax bills in in Spain I also have to pay some tax in in the UK but I've had to this came out of the blue it wasn't something that I was actively seeking right and and so one of the things that about agile is that you do a little bit um, you learn from it and then you do a little bit more 
And if you can keep that mindset going, you can probably survive most things. Because I will be honest, trying to do tax paperwork and try to understand the implications in another country has made me weep with frustration um, and, and doubt my abilities many, many times. And what happened was that you know, unexpected requirements of you've got to submit this form and you've got to find this and you've got to produce this certificate. And it will be coming. It, it came at me for about four months. It came at me sort of every week. And I, I it was breaking my spirit. And so what I had to do was really adopt the agile approach, which is, first of all, do a little bit, accept. I, I don't know what's coming next. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to congratulate myself for having done that little bit I'm going to be kind to myself and say right okay there's a thousand steps on this journey you've just taken one but well done for taking that one right there's the next one. Oh, you didn't know there was an extra one okay handle it and it's it's I think about handling things in that um sort of professional way of I've dealt with it I didn't see it coming I'm not too happy about it um but I have achieved something I haven't finished it yet so there's lots more I still need to achieve but let's focus on what I did achieve. This week, I managed to calculate um, my uh, average bank balance every day from the um, 1st of October to 31st December. Oh, it's not something we have to do in the UK, but I didn't know that was a thing. But apparently it's a thing. So now I've done it. OK, I wasn't expecting to set up that kind of spreadsheet and dig out every bank statement I've ever seen. <laughs> But OK, that's done. Oh, now here's a big form about when did you buy your flat in 1997 and what did you pay for it? Oh, good grief. OK, <laughs> let's let's see if, you know, in a pandemic, anybody can remember where we left the filing um, from 1997 97. to 2005. <laughs> Oh, this is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? You know, and you know, I'm I'm making light of the fact that I genuinely there were days when I was crying with frustration and just feeling utterly hopeless and trapped. And it was all about coming back to, all right, now hang on, this feels impossible. But you felt that finding all the bank statements was pretty awful, and it was, but you got through it. So oh concentrate yeah. on you got through it. Concentrate on you actually got that bit done. Because those skills, that determination will see you very well into this next challenge. And therefore, you can see what I mean about being kind, because that means suppressing that that inner negative voice. Of, well, the reason you can't do this is you're so useless. You, you're innumerate. You're absolutely hopeless. I mean, give rein to my negative voice. And it's really quite convincing. Um, so shutting that down. And I think that to me is um, the agile way, because I think there's something about an agile approach, which is it's an immediacy. It's all about, well, look, you don't have to do everything. Just do something, learn from it, celebrate it, and then do the next bit. Learn from it, celebrate it, and do the next bit. So there is something about um, stamina. And I think I kind of like that because the agile approach tries to, to sort of emphasize, you know, you need stamina. But isn't that true of a pandemic? We need stamina to keep My going. My goodness, yeah. And we only have so much. <laughs> but but I love what you just said. You touched on something that reminded me of a um, a book, a book that I started and never finished, I'll be honest, but um, on stoicism and how we, we like to, we hear the words, you know, she's so stoic or he's so stoic. 
and we think of somebody that just keeps a stiff upper lip no matter what's thrown at them but really the heart of stoicism is that is learning to use what you've got where work with what you've got where you're at and there's another piece to it that I'm forgetting but it's it's learning to work with what you've got where you're at and and move forward with that and being able to reflect on other times when you got through some crisis not about the steps that you took but about the process you went through so what what were the tools that you pulled out when you had to go dig out bank statements from 1997 or or deal with this new change like at some point in your life you were you've been able to do that in the past and so reflect on that and ask yourself what what skills did i use to get through that time and how can i use those skills again to get through this time and it's sort of like a reminder to yourself cuz that inner critic voice is nasty and i would never talk i always tell my friends or i've got a couple close friends in my od network and we talk about you know reminding ourselves to be kind to ourselves cuz we'd never talk to each other like that like oh you're so disorganized. If you weren't so disorganized, you know, you'd be able yeah. to find this paperwork. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I think I, it's t- thank you for that reminder. I, I think it is. It's, I love that idea about stoicism. I've read quite a lot myself in the, the last year or so on that subject. And I, I would totally agree. I think it is, that is the the sort of you can call it a skill set or you can call it a mindset but either way I think that is the the area that we're looking at and I think that one of the things the school of positive psychology talks about Mm. um, uh, writing journals writing things down Um, there are I think a huge number of advantages to doing a, a summing up Um, at the end of a day and also doing um, a start of the next day almost rehashing the same thing which is you the the muscle that you're building is that ability to look through everything that's happened today I mean I I would say that I have really really worked on this Um, I would say that I'm in I'm at a day 555 which means it's about 18 months where I've been doing this every day a particular sort of mantra where I have, as I close down the lid of my laptop, now that's wherever I was, because this was pre-pandemic as well, actually saying, right, three things that got finished or that um, I solved uh, a problem or I got a lovely reply on an email. Clearly, I satisfied somebody or I managed to pull something together that makes sense that I was worried about being able to make sense about or even that I found my keys, you know, that I've been missing for two weeks. Um, every, you know, I'm looking for three things and it's that mantra of and it, it because it's really hard to do to begin with, actually. You manage to find one or two, but that third one is elusive. Um, so you you dig in and you start looking for those things. And what I've done is that I've I've sort of bookended it. I do that when I'm um, at the end of the day, when I close down my laptop, because I know that as I'm walking out the office, and it used to be <laughs> um, when I started this, this was when I used to be hurtling for a plane somewhere and feeling you know, the stress of flying and getting through airports, that's an endurance test. It was pre-COVID and it won't be any better afterwards. Um, but knowing that I was living that very stressful life, it's that clinging on to the fact, well, at least I've got that done. 
Um, okay. <clears throat> and I start every morning with that, whether I'm now driving to the office a couple of days a week um, and I'm, I'm sort of as I start the car, I'm reminding myself, look, it's going to be a challenging day, but you got that done. Um, and also if I'm, if I'm here working from home, then I'm probably walking the dog and saying those things to myself. Um, but I think that gives you the platform on which to go forward. I think it's the reason I'm talking about it being a daily thing is that I think it is certainly if you in, in change management, we're all about building new habits. And we all know that repetition is how you build new habits. Um, making something a daily event um, means that um, you're much faster at bedding down that habit. So you could say I can do something weekly. Um, but uh, I mean, the research I've been reading um, most recently um, is that, you know, the number of times you actually need to um, repeat something is into the 20s. Um, hmm. Some research says it's seven times plus. But um, so if it's 20 weeks, that's a long time. But if it's 20 days, it's only a few weeks, isn't it? Um, so I do think there's some benefit if you're trying to, to build up this kind of skill set and change how you think so that it becomes automatic. Um, and I have noticed how this is now an automatic thing because even on the darkest days, and I would say here for me, since I last saw you, lockdown two, which was in, um, all the way through November and December was a real low point. Mm -hmm. um, lockdown three in mid-January to March wasn't quite so bad, but lockdown two really floored me. Um, and even in those dark days, I, I saw myself going things like, oh, well, that, that's coming into flower when I'm on the dog walk and think, oh, that's quite nice. And, uh, oh, yes, I, I, spring's nearly here. And all these little things I was saying to myself. But it was about that gives you the platform to which you can then go, right, OK, got to start it all again today. Got to have another go. And so that comes back to that piece about um, how do you build stamina? You build stamina by actually expanding on that, that feeling within you that says I can cope that's yeah. what it's all about great yeah that um just that little bit of I, I had dark times in November December just the same and and you know I know we've all had different ones at, at different times and I remember planning tulip bulbs because I was watching this gardening show and this woman and it was this uh it was a British gardening show, actually, is Gardener's World. And they talked about how planting tulip bulbs in the fall is sort of like creating hope for yourself because you know that no matter what goes wrong, <laughs> which lots did after I planted those tulip bulbs, they still came up in the spring. And so it's like, can you just keep that mindset, you know? And I've been thinking about writing a blog, something, you know as a, some sort of metaphor with tulips, but, um, about how, you know, those bulbs are going to come up. They don't care what's going on, you know, in the world outside. That's just the natural cycle. There's a lot to like cycles of things. And, um, and I think agile well, I'm, I'm afraid I did that. not, I know gardeners world very well. I did not, I, I haven't done the tulips bit, but I will say <laughs> I did something similar, which was I got out all my summer, summer shoes. And I, yeah. um, uh, this was in the darkest time and thought, do you know what? A few months from now, I'll be wearing these. Oh, that's um, so, I love that. Uh, you know, the summer clothes. I thought that was kind of helpful. Um, so I got some summer bags out and thought, you know what? Yeah. Um, oranges and reds and, you know, yeah. bright colors <laughs> will be coming. It's, you know, we're not that far away. So I, I totally agree. I think it's, 
you know anything we can do to build up that pool of of resource um when I was knee deep in paperwork and honestly moving spiders away from old paperwork and things and and it was there's there's something in agile which is that okay right these aren't in date order okay they're not in date order but you found them so for tonight let's just celebrate the fact that you found them and that's done and it's now nearly midnight so you need to just stop but tomorrow one of your tasks is you'll put it all into date order and you'll feel it's great so it is that piece about I've done a little bit I've done as much as I can um so let's close that down we're done and we can add on it so I love that idea of um iterative development which for me yes. is you know it's version after version after version because that gives you something to hold on to because you say look version one certainly isn't perfect but it exists and you know what yesterday this pile of bank statements didn't exist exactly. so that's a huge step forward so concentrate on the step forward Mel go off on a go yep. on end the day on a high um and I I think it's the reason I'm, you know, we're talking about these skills is because I think that, as you said, what's what's changed? You asked me what had changed since August um, to to now when we, um, so that's eight months since we last spoke, and the list I made was that you know we've got used to this working from home, family life couldn't wait. So some of that behaviour has become even more entrenched because childcare patterns couldn't wait. Um, maybe making compromises with partners about what job they're going to take, what job you're going to take, couldn't wait. So professional life couldn't wait either. Some people have actually changed jobs. Um, Some people are still being made redundant. And I think there's waves of that to come as well. So they are job hunting. They're onboarding with new companies, um, but never face to face Mm and meeting anybody. So I think that um, there's been this you know this working from home isn't one of the things I I think the change is coming is that working from home isn't just working from home it's about setting up a whole new pattern of where does my work fit into my home life where does my home life fit into my work Mm. um I think there's an when you mentioned the 2.0 version of ourselves I think there is as you say people are making some decisions about I've realized what's really important to me Um, And so some people have left jobs because they've realized that the people they're working with do not fill them with joy. Maybe they're being bullied, something like that. And they go, I'm not taking it anymore. Um, Other people are going, this is not actually this isn't the career I dreamed of. This is not what I want to be doing with my time. I'm going to go off and do something else. So I think that what organizations need to think about when when light light at the end of the tunnel is that the workforce they've got a different workforce to the workforce they had pre-pandemic um they didn't yep. ask for these changes to be to to be brought upon them um and i speak now as uh, looking after an organization that's got these huge growth objectives um and it's trying to win new customers it's trying to launch new products um it's worried about sustainability of its supply chain it's worried about environmental concerns and social impact all of those objectives were there before the pandemic. Um, they uh, they feel like maybe they've they've lost a year. Um, their financials have suffered. They're trying to to climb back up, and yet now they're having to do it with a different workforce than the one they were used to. A lot of the faces look the same. 
<laughs> but actually a lot of the drivers within those faces have changed. Um, the priorities within those faces have changed. So I think that this whole idea of we need to talk about the light at the end of a tunnel as I think um, a new a, a program of change we um, treat it like a, a change um, and again we come back to this idea of agile change because we don't really know what all the aspects of hybrid working are um, but we've we can probably I mean I, I am because I'm planning it for somebody um, <laughs> I've got sort of like four work streams of things um, I know that we'll have to reset our cultural values. I know that we're going to have to do a lot more development on virtual leadership, a lot more development on Ooh, yeah. how we collaboratively work and probably um, a lot of work around our real estate policy. So I, I can work out some of the outcomes, but I certainly don't know it all. And, and what we were talking about hybrid working this time last year, we were all in lockdown. That was our new word, wasn't it? Now right. hybrid, hybrid is the new word. Um, now, it's what that really means, that re, that resetting piece. Um, I think, as I said, I think as an organisation, I would always advise organisations that, you know, you're starting this particular journey. It is a journey. You're going to have to plan it. You're going to have to put some stakes in the ground and go, well, this is the first bit. Of, this is the first wave of change you want to achieve. Then this happens. Then this happens. Um, and you've got to recognise that you're doing it with a different group of people. They, they, we've all changed. Some of yeah. us have had amazingly hard to cope with loss in our lives. Some of us have had unexpected bonuses where people, I know my brother, for example, has really enjoyed the fact that he's not getting up at five o'clock every morning to get a very early train. He will right. go back and do some hours in the office, but actually, um, you know, you could argue that he's probably put 10 years on his life because getting up at five o'clock every morning and doing a, with his commute 14 hours outside the, the house, exhausting, hard, yeah. heartbreakingly difficult. And that's not going to be the norm anymore. So he's one of the winners. There's been plenty of people who are the losers um, and have gone through amazing stress. If, if, if their partners were working in retail, for example, and have probably lost their jobs, um, people whose partners are running small businesses um, where the footfall is just being killed off. Um, so there are winners, there are losers. Um, and I think that is another thing that we need to recognize. Um, we, I'm erring on the side of caution in that um, I've had hard times, but I don't see myself as somebody's suffered hugely. I'm, I've had some horrible things happen in the last few years, but not all of them were in the last 12 months. So I'm not, I'm not coming at it from a position of, oh, poor me, but I am taking the view I bet actually every let me assume that the people I'm working with are probably putting a good face on things, but are probably broken inside and maybe mm -hmm. have had some awful things happen to them. If they haven't, that's OK. But if they have, I'm I'm going to assume kindness first. Oh, I like that. And I think that is something that if we're going to talk about starting on this um, this journey back to the roaring 20s let's be optimistic maybe we need to think that first of all our workforce have changed and I think we're going to have to assume you know the worst case scenario and if that happens not to be the case then fantastic um, but let's assume that people are suffering so kindness first and mm. you know everything else next brilliant
Yeah, I think um, for leader, you know, developing leaders right now, probably the most, and, you know, I study emotional intelligence and that's my passion is trying to help people build those skills. And I just feel like empathy is the one that keeps self-awareness and empathy were important before, but now those seem almost like, you know, just non, if you don't have those skills, those are things that you need to build. Those are more important than, than anything else, especially if you're leading teams of people, um, knowing how you show up for them. And then also knowing that there's a lot you don't know about what they've gone through and, you know, yeah, maybe I think there's some practical things we can do. I mean, one of the things that I've, I'm, I've sort of tried to adopt is, for example, and we all do this, don't we? You know, we're tired. Uh, we've got a headache. It's coming towards the end of the day. And we're replying to an email with a bit of a sort of snappy response because <laughs> we're not happy about something. And really, it's just catching yourself at that point and going, do you know what? I'm just batting back negativity here. Actually, the kindest thing to do would be to get past the emotion of the email for a moment and just maybe put back a solution, not a smart remark. You know, if people want smart remarks, I'm sure they can find a teenager who can give it to them. Um, but, you know, why Routine. don't we just go back with a solution? Yeah, why don't we just go back with a solution? You know, why don't we just go back with some options? If we can't come up with solutions, but maybe we're not in that decision-making um, situation, but at least we could put some options forward of ways that we could get out of whatever this problem is. Um, so I think it's just don't pass, you know, don't pass on the opportunity to fix things when you come across them because you <laughs> think that somebody else behind you will will clear up the mess. Um, I've actually started adopting this on my dog walks every morning, which is um, there was a children's um, cartoon here in uh, years ago when I was a kid called the Wombles, which was about um, a group of um, furry bears who lived on a um, uh, lived on a common and every day they went out and they collected up all the rubbish so that the humans wouldn't have to suffer the rubbish around them and I am doing that every day I on my dog walk I go and collect up some of the uh, some of the rubbish um, and just put it in the bin um, single-use plastics is is the thing that I I suppose I I sort of think about the most um but you know that that's really what I'm I'm going for um and I'm just thinking yeah pay it forward maybe that's the phrase I don't know but mm -hmm. it is that thing around you don't know what people have been through assume the worst play it with kindness if you can solve a problem and I think also at the end of the day you know selfishly if I can do that then I look back and go oh, well at least I did that I, I love that. that. I have picked up new hacks from you again in this conversation. So thank you. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, it's, I don't I do not want to sound like a paragon of virtue because I am really not. And I can be <laughs> as crappy as the, the best of them. Um, and, uh, and also the other thing that I have learned to do um, and I will be doing with my PA later on is uh, we'll be saying I was a bit crabby. I think I was a bit short in my emails today. I'm really sorry. I've got a migraine. Um, I've been really worried about somebody who's in hospital having heart surgery and I'm probably not at my best. Really sorry. It certainly wasn't personal. Now, would I have done those kinds of things before? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but now it's just putting out the saying, you know, if I was if I was snappy today, really sorry. I it wasn't with intent. Um, and here's and just why. end the day. Yeah, here's why. So you can see that it was coming from a, a place of, of stress. And, and I'm I like the fact 
that the other thing that shifted since August, I mean, we we touched on this in August, but I think it's become far more entrenched, is that it's okay to know each other more. We share each other's houses more because of the the joys of Zoom, but I think we share each other's emotions more. And I... I really like that. I'm now not everybody is comfortable with that. Um, but I think it's it's makes us more human. Um, now, I think we do it because we're online and, you know, it, it's a way of connecting. I hope I really hope that's a bit that we maintain when we go back into the office a Ooh, little yeah. bit more. Um, I've in the four weeks that I've been going back into the office um, it's like this morning um, I got up really early Um, I had a few disasters on the way to work this morning including uh, there being a power cut in the underground car park and me getting shut in because I'd parked the car Uh, but then the uh, the barriers wouldn't come up and um, so the the automatic doors sort of I was shut in in the dark for for quarter for an hour this morning which added a lot of excitement to my day Um, (laughs) Uh, but I, I went and um, uh, grabbed some breakfast and my colleagues sort of said, oh, I'm, I'm on my way. And I thought, oh, we're running a bit late. And I thought, no, sit down. While Just you're be- waiting for him, clear your emails. Right? So you've got time when he arrives to focus on him for 10 minutes, you know, find out about his day. So just, you know, and, and then you've got somebody you can tell you were locked in an underground car park for a quarter of an hour because <laughs> somebody's got to care. <laughs> The building manager did come back and give me a key. He said, if that happens again, I'm thinking, well, how frequently does it happen? <laughs> uh, but if that happens again, here's a key. And this is the emergency door you use. And I was like, oh, great. I think it's because he realized that they've broken every health and safety legislation under the sun <laughs> and that you're not supposed to be locked in in, the, in pitch black um, uh, with car. If it were a fire, you'd be in serious trouble. So, um, yeah. So I think that that may have motivated him. But anyway, there we go. Look on the bright side. Next time it happens, I know what to do and I've got a key. Um. That's right. That's, oh, you just reminded me of the third. It's do what you can where you are with what you've got. Those are the what three. What you've got. <laughs> well, it was the torch on my phone with what I had this morning. Um, so, and then I started trying Ghostism. to read the signs for what you might do, um, but they were all in Spanish. And I was thinking, well, to try to translate this. And by the time all this was going through my head, um, actually the power cut ended and uh, suddenly the lights came back on and I thought, oh, and then I clicked the, and the door worked. And I thought, I must admit, I scurried out of there like a rat down a drain pipe, but um, out into the fresh air. But there we go I was sort of so I've celebrated today that I also had the guts to go back into the car park this afternoon to get that's the what car. you can put at your end of the day yeah. <laughs> recap <Yes. laughs> oh thank you oh, so am much. I making sense oh am I am I convincing everybody on this podcast that actually maybe the agile mindset of this do a little bit um, mm-hmm. celebrate that you've taken a step forward, learn from it, uh, see how it's playing out in the real world and then build on it. So this idea of iterative development, mm-hmm. uh, an iterative process that you're following, I think in it's all about the fact that we don't know what changes are coming. So why don't I make some progress today? Um, and at least then I've got something usable out of the day because maybe tomorrow I'll be hit from left field by something else. So it's it's better to celebrate how you know how far we've got what we've achieved because I think that is that achievement feeling is all about that resilience building and I think that's really important and then the other thing I'd say is that um, maybe we do need to think about um, 
the impact of multiple changes on people mm-hmm. and that when people are apparently resisting change maybe it's not because they think the change is useless maybe it's because they think the idea is sound but they just capacity can't take is- any more yeah. yeah and their capacity is gone yeah absolutely brilliant um last question what are you reading right now and I know there may be more than one answer to that <laughs> I am reading um uh chiclet I believe it's called, uh, because I haven't read anything other than I've read 54 textbooks in um, the last 10 months um, for having to write a book. Um, This is fairly normal. Um, Last time when I wrote this one the first time around, I remember I wrote I read 64 textbooks. Um, now, I sometimes I skim read them. Absolutely. Um, some of them, I return to them time and time again. Um, so thank you, Professor Robert Chialdini from Harvard, because um, I do enjoy his work particularly. So I've been reading Persuasion and Presuasion again. Um, and uh, but I, I am right now I am reading something that isn't work. Um, I will I will say, though, I finished the book and I thought, what? So I've got the Harvard Business Review being sent to me here in Spain in hard copy because I know it's something my dad will enjoy reading as well. Um, So I thought I'd treat myself to a year's subscription of the Harvard Business Review, not just the online bit. Um, And I'm still reading the Financial Times and Wall Street Journal every day, but I have taken a week off. Now, next week, I'll be back to I've got a new book on strategic um, uh, strategic planning um, that I'm I'm looking forward to reading (laughs) Um, But uh, this week something non-work related some good fiction hopefully (laughs) absolutely oh melody thank you so much i i have fun interviewing you um i will i'll send you a link to this and and i right wish you the best in all your endeavors and I look we'll forward. catch up again in another eight months. Let's see what happens. And where's that going to take us? That's going to take us into January, January 2022. We've got to do that, haven't we? We've got to talk about the excitement of the new year. Yeah, that's Let's a date. That. All right, we'll put it on the calendar. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Melanie. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.